Well, welcome back, and thank you again for joining us as we continue our walk through the Bible together this year, 2021. We are on week 10 this week, and spending the majority of our time in the book of Numbers, covered chapters 8 through 25. We almost got it finished up, but not quite. This week, we entered the book of Colossians and read the whole thing, the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Um, a couple of psalms in there as well. And what I'd like to do today is just give us a little bit of a background and overview of the book of Numbers and look at a couple of passages there together, how they point us to following the Lord more closely together here in the 21st century. But before we do that, I would like to read Psalm 113 to you. And this psalm, I think, is just a psalm of refreshment. It is balm for a weary soul, and it just reminds us that there is no one like our God. There is no one like the God that we serve. And so I'd like to just read that to you today and pray and ask God to bless our time together. Psalm 113 says this, Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust, and he lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Just a wonderful reminder to us of who God is and what he does for those people who were often looked down on in society, the poor, the needy, the barren woman. He is the one who lifts those up. And because of that, he is worthy to be praised. And so I hope that as you listen and read along as we go through the scripture together here this week, that you that your soul is lifted up to meet with the Lord, the one whose name is to be blessed from this time forth and forevermore. God, we are so thankful for your word, and we are so thankful for how you care for us and all the things that you do for us, Lord. I just pray this day as we, as we join together for a few moments, God, that you would work in our hearts and that you would show us again who you are and how we can better serve you. We thank you for all that you have done. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to spend just a few moments um, doing an overview of the book of Numbers. Because you might be reading through that and being like, why is there just so much detail? A painful amount of detail. An excruciating amount of detail as you go through the book together. And... You know, Moses here is writing this book and he's recording the time from when Israel has departed from Egypt and Mount Sinai. That's what we got in Exodus and Leviticus. And now they are moving north toward the promised land. And they are um, recounting, he's recounting that journey there of exactly what happened. And, I um, you know, the book of Numbers, Hitler records several really important things that go on in um, greater detail later in Scripture and are talked about throughout the Scriptures. And there's just a lot of really good stuff in the book of Numbers. Um, I just I just want to, to think for a moment about why it's so important for us. You know, we said earlier, it just, it takes us through this winding path through almost a desert of just 
almost painful detail. And the book records um, the census results of all 12 tribes, not just once, but twice. It documents priestly instructions for handling the ark um, and the tabernacle. It even spells out the placement of the tribes of where they were to camp around the ark. You know, and as you think about that, you're like, man, maybe God is just really in to the details. But I think what we're going to see is that God is into establishing a nation whom he wants to follow him. And he is giving them the best start that he can there. And he's giving them a heads up. And through it all, we cannot doubt God's unfailing direction over his people. That he really does care about them and he knows what is best for them. You know, as you go through this uh, this book and you you hear of Caleb and, and Joshua and the, the other spies that went into the promised land and um, two of them encouraged them to take possession, ten of them did not. So, no, we can't do that. That story is in there. You get the story of Moses striking a rock and water spouting forth instead of following what God told him and speaking to that rock. And because of that, the, the harsh punishment that comes with that. We get the story of, of Moses making and lifting up a bronze serpent on a pole so that the Israelites might be healed of their their bites by those fiery serpents that the Lord sent among them. Um, we get this kind of comical story of the prophet Balaam, his internationally renowned prophet and seer, and he was rebuked by his donkey because his donkey could see what God was doing and he could not do. You know, we see through those stories God's direction over his people. You know, as you as you look kind of at the big picture of this book, you see that the people of Israel are just testing God's patience. And he, in turn, tests their endurance and their faithfulness. You know, the people fail many times. They continue to turn their back on the Lord, but God shows them his faithfulness by his constant presence. He leads them along the way. He gives them that cloud by day and that pillar of fire by night. And even though they have to face the consequences of their actions and turning their hearts away from them, through that all, he shows them his faithfulness. And he says, I'm still going to keep my covenant with you. I'm still going to walk with you and I am going to teach you how to walk with me. You know, so as you think about this book, you might wonder, well, how, how does this apply to my life? How do I... How do I work these things out? You know, us today, we might take away from Numbers a, a walk through Israel's history, through the early days. I think also we take, though, a renewed sense of God's delight in obedience, that he desires his people to be obedient unto him. And he desired that for the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, but he is our God too, and he wants us to live righteously, and he wants us to worship him through our words, and our works. Now, as you get into the New Testament, you see the Apostle Paul really used this account of Israel um, to give an example for the modern church, and that happens in the book of 1 Corinthians. And he writes to the First Corinthian, um, the church in 1 Corinthians in 10.6. He says, These things happened as an example for us so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. He gives us that example and says, God is going to teach you something in his word and that is there for a purpose and he wants you to live in a different way because of that so that's kind of a quick overview of the book of numbers where 
the, the people are at, what they are doing, why it's important for us today. And you'll find in your reading this week, Numbers chapter 9, and I want to draw your attention there and spend just a few moments talking about that together. You know, here in, in Numbers chapter 9, we, we see again the, the command for the Israelite people to celebrate the Passover, to remember again when God um, came to them and he passed over them in the land of Egypt. One thing that really struck out to me about that was um, in chapter 9, verse 9, you go on and um, here, a, an unclean person had come to Moses and had said, what, what may I hear or what may I do if I'm unclean? Should I still keep the Passover? And Moses says, wait that I may hear what the Lord will command me concerning you. That's in verse 8. And in verse 9, we get this answer to the Lord, um, answer from the Lord to Moses. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel saying, if any one of you or of your descendants is unclean through touching a dead body or is on a long journey, he shall still keep the Passover to the Lord. In the second month, on the fourteenth day at twilight, they shall keep it. They shall eat it with the unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until the morning, nor break any of its bones. According to all of the statute for the Passover, they shall keep it. But if anyone who is clean and is not on a journey fails to keep the Passover, that person shall be cut off from his people, because he did not bring the Lord's offering at its appointed time. That man shall bear his sin. And if a stranger sojourns among you and would keep the Passover to the Lord according to the statute of the Passover and according to its rules, so shall he do it. You shall have one statute both for the sojourner and for the native. You know, there were certain festivals in the history of the Jewish people that outsiders were not allowed to partake in. But the Lord here says to Moses that the Passover is not one of those things. And there were many things that being ceremonially unclean in the history of Israel underneath that Levitical system would have, would have kept you from doing those things, participating in sacrifices and festivals. There was a whole process to become clean again. And so this is a valid question to say, you know, if we are unclean through touching a dead body, um, that's one way that you became unclean, then what should we do? And I just think it's so beautiful here that God says, clean or unclean, Jewish person or not, if you will come to me and you will remember my grace and my mercy, and you will remember me passing over and you being obedient, then, then I will hear you. Now, he says you need to do that in the right way. You need to make sure that you are following my commands in doing that, but but he is welcome. And that Passover was just such a reminder of the grace of God that was lavished on the people of Israel in the land of Egypt. And that was the point of the feast, to remind them again of what God had done for them. And God says, you don't, you don't have to be clean to take this. You don't have to be clean to remember my grace. You don't have to be a naturalized citizen of the nation of Israel. You need to remember who I am. You need to remember what I've done. And I think that's just a beautiful picture of what Jesus tells us in the New Testament. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My peace I will give to you. No matter where you are, what you've done, or who you are, or what you have been involved with, if you will turn from your sin and you will repent and you will 
forego those sins in the name of Jesus Christ and trust his blood and sacrifice to pay the price for your sins, you will be saved. And you will recognize the peace that comes from knowing God. You will you will remember his grace to you. That comes from Numbers chapter 9. You, know, you go on in, in that chapter, and it was just a beautiful example of trust for me as well. Jump down to chapter 9, verse 22 in Numbers. And here we have a, a description of the cloud that was covering the tabernacle, and the Lord tells Moses, follow the cloud. You know, when the cloud is on the tabernacle, you should stay camped where you are. When the cloud goes up, you should pack things up, and he gives them the whole process for packing things up and the order in which they should do that, and then you move until the cloud descends again. And in chapter 9, verse 22, it says this, whether it was two days or a month or a longer time that the cloud continued over the tabernacle abiding there, the people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out. But when it lifted, they set out. At the command of the Lord, they camped, and at the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. I thought, man, what a beautiful example of trust. They didn't know how long they were going to be there. They didn't know exactly where they were going. They didn't know when they would be going there. They didn't know if it would be a day, a night, a month, a year, but they chose to trust the Lord. They chose to look to him for guidance and they chose, they chose to follow him. Now, for sure, they did not do that for very long, but there was this kind of a sweet spot in the middle after they had recognized who God was and they were choosing to trust him and follow him. Um, and I think it's just a great example for us. Guys, we need that. We need to trust the Lord. We need to follow him. And I know that a lot of you are in a, a desert experience right now where you don't know how long you're going to be there. You don't know exactly where you're going. You don't exactly know why you are there. I want to encourage you to trust your to trust the Lord and keep your eyes on him. If you do that, if you seek him, he will guide you. He will take you where you need to be when you need to be there. And I know I know that it's hard for us to put our faith in him at times. I just want to encourage you and remind you that he is a God who has showed himself faithful. He is a God whose name is to be praised this day and forevermore, as we're reminded in Psalm 113. So trust the Lord. Trust the Lord, no matter where he has you or what he has you doing right now or whatever hard thing you are in, trust that God is going to use that. He is going to do something great in your life through that. I just want to lift you up in prayer. Everyone who is struggling this week, everyone who is facing those hard things or those seasons of uncertainty, and I just want to ask that the Lord would show himself to you in a specific way. So please join me as I pray and end our time together today. Well, Heavenly Father, we are we are grateful for examples from your word, Lord, of, of when your people got it right. And God, as we look through the book of Numbers, we recognize that there were a lot of things that your people did not get right. But Lord, you, you showed your faithfulness. 
you showed your mercy and your grace and you drew them back. And yes, they faced consequences for their bad decisions. Lord, they faced consequences for their disobedience. But ultimately, ultimately, you were faithful. And God, I'm so glad that you continue that faithfulness with us. God, I know that there are many right now in our circle of friends and our church family that are just going through some times where they don't know. They don't know why they're there. They don't know where they're going. They don't know how long they're going to be there or exactly what you're doing. But God, God, I just pray. I pray that you would help us to keep our eyes focused on you. And Lord, that you would help us to keep our hearts and our minds focused on your faithfulness. And God, when we do that, when we do that, you, you bolster our faith. You build us up. Lord, I thank you for this example of the people of Israel in doing just that. Lord, they kept their eyes on your presence, on your cloud that was over the tabernacle. And when you said it was time to go, they went. Lord, when you said it was time to wait, they waited. So, Lord, I just pray. I pray that your people at Check Row would experience that same thing. God, that they would look to you. They would remember your grace and your mercy and your faithfulness, that you are the one who is to be praised this time forth and forevermore. Lord, and as they wait, as they watch you, I just pray. I pray that you would work in their lives. And I pray that they would see you and experience you right now in the waiting. Lord, that they would be faithful in the watching, God, and that you would continue to show yourself to them. It's these things in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.